Believers, this is Dr. Shantae and welcome to Branding for Believers, the podcast that helps leaders and influencers with the tools and the fuel to believe bigger in their dreams. I'm super excited about today's interview because this is a woman that I have admired from afar for a long time. Um, I'm actually a consumer of one of her products that we're going to talk about today, but it is none other than Rachel Rogers. Rachel is a business lawyer and intellectual property strategist, and she is the creator of Small Business Bodyguard. And that's actually the the product that I invested in and how I became to uh, know Rachel. So you'll learn a little bit about that in one moment. But she runs a non-traditional law firm, Rachel Rogers Law Office, that has successfully disrupted the legal industry and made it easy and friggin' fun for innovative <laughs> companies, startup, and entrepreneurs to work with experienced attorneys and get the legal help that they need to do the crazy stuff that they want to do. So (laughs) law and legalities. And, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, you're like all fired up, full of enthusiasm. And then when you get down to like the nitty gritty, you know, behind the scenes legalities, taking care of the business of the business, you're like, wah, wah. So Rachel, (laughs) Rachel has made this so fun and so easy and relatable and just so many wonderful things to just cover your assets. So welcome, Rachel, to the show. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for that amazing introduction. So go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. So I am a um, New Yorker, a mom, uh, a wife, um, not necessarily in that order. Um, right. Or maybe, <laughs> right. And yeah, it's, you got to switch those around a little bit. But, but anyway, um, and a lawyer, like you said. And um, I actually wanted to be a lawyer since I was a little kid. And I went to law school and I actually had... what I like to call a come to Jesus moment Mm -hmm. (laughs) where Mm -hmm. I had to really consider whether I really wanted to be a lawyer Um, because all of the different different avenues that you go down, you know, the different career paths that they have for you in law school, it's sort of laid out. You can go the nonprofit route, you can go the big firm route, you can go a small firm route, which is harder. But those are the three paths, you know, that almost everyone goes down. And none of them seemed like quite the right fit for me. And so I was really wondering if I even wanted to be a lawyer. Um, And so that was my sort of fork in the road um, moment uh, that we could get into. But but anyway, yeah, so I eventually just decided to start my own practice and create my own vision of what I think legal and the legal services and how they should be delivered. Fantastic. So actually, that that is a great segue, because where we start um, interviews with Branding for Believers is with a commitment to belief. You know, I am a firm believer that nothing happens unless you are committed first. You know, you have to exercise that initial seed of faith in order for anything else to pursue afterwards. So go ahead and take our listeners to a time during your journey where you had to make a difficult decision, you know, to pursue your dream of law um, or follow the status quo, which to me sounds like you had these three options that were laid out there that didn't quite seem to fit. So go ahead and tell us about the time where you had to exercise some faith, trust your gut and take that risk. What was that like? Yes. Well, it was scary. (laughs) as it often is. Um, and that's how you usually know that you need to do it because it's scary. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I was in my third year of law school and, you know, a lot of my classmates were really excited about the path that they had chosen. And I still had not chosen a path and I had a lot of opportunity in front of me. I had job offers coming my way, but none of them really, I felt like, you know what? I worked too hard and spent way too much money on law school to 
to take a job that I really didn't want to do. Mm. So, you know, I read the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss that many, many entrepreneurs read. And so Mm -hmm. I started thinking about, okay, what can I do differently? What can I do on my own to generate my own income? And so obviously, you know, I had this law degree that I spent a lot of money on. So I started exploring the idea of going solo and starting my own practice. And lucky for me, I got a clerkship with a judge. And so that is a one year, um, you know, job opportunity where you essentially are like sort of the right hand of a judge Mm -hmm. in state court. And so that's what I did for a year. And I used that time to sort of think about and really map out what it would look like to go solo. And I did a lot of research. I talked to as many solo attorneys as I could and just asked them about when they took the leap. And I was just doing a lot of research. And then the time came when, you know, my, my, um, clerkship was going to be over August 31st of 2010. And so I said, you know what, September 1st, I'm starting my firm. And I just, I just took the leap. It was terrifying. And my mother was like, why aren't you taking one of these job offers coming your way? (laughs) But, you know, I just decided, you know what, if I'm going to do if I'm going to do something that, you know, if I'm going to take a job where I'm not making as much money as I want to make and I'm not doing what I really want to do, I could easily be broke and be happy doing what I want to do and just try it and see what happens. And so I decided to do that. You know what? Let me pull a couple of things out of your story, which is really powerful. And a lot of people listening have found themselves in that same place. So they've gone to school, they've worked for the degree, but the degree isn't necessarily working for them. And they're staring down the barrel of like Sally Mae student loans, you know, which kind of come for you tooth and nail. Mm -hmm. You can't buy a house. You can't get a car, you know, unless you get all of that straight. And it just kind of seems like the safe route. The thing to do is just take one of these jobs even if they're not happy. And there's a real um, piece of liberation that comes from trusting your own instincts to say that this doesn't suit me, this doesn't fit me, because there's a lot of people right now that are working to be cookie cutter, Mm -hmm. that are working to, you know, be average and working for a paycheck and working for people that they don't even respect because that was the traditional script that was laid out. So let's move forward a little bit. You know, you, September 1st, you started this law firm, knees knocking, teeth chattering. And what was the the confirmation that you had made the right decision? Because I believe that when you take a leap of faith, if it's the right move, the doors will open. You'll get some sign from the heavens that this was the right way to go. So what was that for you? Yeah, well, honestly, that happened in multiple ways throughout the whole first year. And meanwhile, you know, I wasn't making much money, um, but there were all these different sort of confirmations. I would say the first one was all of my friends and friends of my family members started coming to me looking for some legal help. Uh, I was one of the few lawyers that they knew and that they were comfortable with. And a lot of them, it was during a recession. And so many of them had been laid off from their jobs and gotten severance pay, severance Mm -hmm. packages. And so they decided they were going to use those severance packages to start their own companies, three different people. And so those three different people who were either connected to me through my family or through my friends, they became my first three clients. Um, so the first three clients were really easy, you know, and that just gave me so much confidence. Um, as soon as I started doing legal work, it's like, I'm working, like I'm actually, I'm doing it, you know? (laughs) So, so that was the confirmation. And then shortly thereafter, a couple months later, um, I got a phone call one day from 
a journalist from NS- MSNBC who wanted to interview me about being a law student who went solo and started my own practice shortly after law school. They were doing a story on that, and they decided to feature me in the story, and they came to me through a friend, one of those mentors that I had reached out to who had been a former solo, and I said to her, what made you start your practice? What did you have to have in place? And I sort of looked to her for some guidance. She wound up sending a journalist to me, and so I got featured in um, MSNBC, and that really boosted my credibility. It also sent a lot of new people my way. So that became another great confirmation. And there were others too, but those were probably the biggest ones during the first year. And you know what I love about that is that one of the things that people need to realize is that people don't write about the status quo. Like people, journalists and people who are looking to, you know, get stories out there, they're not writing stories about the status quo. They're writing the stories about the people who defied it. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> They're writing the stories about the people who bucked conventional wisdom, went against the odds and completely won. So that is, that is an amazing confirmation of belief. So let's move forward a little bit and talk about, you know, your connection, because when you are starting on your own and you have people in your ear and in your face like, girl, and then, you know, your colleagues, you know, so let's talk about that for a second. You know, you have these people that you went to law school with pulling down these major checks and bonuses and things like that. And so, you know, you're like, mm, did I do the right <laughs> thing? And so when you have those moments, you know, of of doubt, even after the decision is made, where do you find inspiration? Where do you find the, the faith to keep going even when you don't feel like it? Well, a big source is my family, my husband and um, my two toddlers, Mm -hmm. that I'm the sole breadwinner for my family. And I have been since probably my second, must have been my second year of my practice. So it's a lot of pressure, but it's also a great source of motivation, you know, and inspiration. So that's my goal is to just take care of them and to be you know, for a long time, I was watching a lot of my peers make great money either when I was first a solo or even when I was in law school and they had taken good jobs right after getting their bachelor's, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was watching a lot of that going on. And I also had a lot of friends who were older than me who had a lot more resources and had, you know, more years of experience under their belt. And so, you know, t- for me, it's a, it's a shock and it's amazing to me every day that I built this practice out of nothing. That like I have a successful practice that employs, you know, four different people, including, you know, not including myself and that serves hundreds and hundreds of clients and then thousands of customers with our DIY legal products. Like that is amazing to me to think about. I was just trying to basically cover my expenses. I was like, if I can make three or $4,000 a month, I will be happy. Because I know I can pay my bills and that's it. You know, that's all I was looking for when I started. I had no vision for this. And so like over time, the vision got bigger and bigger and bigger. And part of it is because I love the people that I serve. And so that they are my motivation. The people who I serve who are like, I could not replace you with anybody else. If you stop doing what you do, I could not go find another lawyer who would be like you, who would work with me the way that you do. Um, So that's a motivation. And then, you know, my family is... um, 
And I just, I just kind of intrinsically knew since I was a little kid, I actually had, it's, you know, some people might not believe this, but I went in college to, um, we had, you know, it was called, um, basic. It was like an online, um, you know, Christian group. And so we had a, um, like camp that we sort of went away to overnight. Mm -hmm. And during that time, there was somebody who met with me and she was like, I just need to tell you this because I'm getting this message. She's like, you're a diamond in a rough and you're going to have to stand up for yourself and sometimes be the only one, you know, and you have to be willing to do that because that's what you're meant to do. And I remember that since that day. And I feel like some of the things that have happened in my life and in my practice, it's sort of, it totally has like manifested itself and come true. So I feel like I have a calling and a purpose for some of the work that I'm doing. And so that also is a source of motivation for me. Ooh, I got chills listening to that. And <laughs> I'm going to tell you why, because that's that's the real deal. That is is where I try to bring a lot of my clients to that place where it's not about you. Yes. You know, it is not about you. You are blessed to be a blessing. You know, the gifts that you have, they're not for you to hoard and cover and hide and shy away from. But, you know little old you, because we have that conversation like, oh, well, who am I? You know, who's going to listen to me? And you look at the other big name law firms, it's like, who, who, who am I compared to these giants? You know, I'm little David and I'm looking at these Goliaths, you know, who am I? But the thing about it is when you have a calling and a purpose that is bigger than you to serve others and you ignite that and put it into action, then all of these other doors will open. So that's, that's one part that gave me chills. And the other part is, you know, the spousal support, because I do have a lot of clients that, that wish their spouses would get on board, that wish their partners would get on board and, you know, they're looking at them like, excuse me, um, I married you and direct deposit. So <laughs> you better, <laughs> you better bring home that check, you know? Yes. And so if, if it's not too personal, can you just tell us a little bit about how you and your husband kind of came to that place of, again, bucking conventional wisdom and saying that, that I'm going to be the one to do this? Yes. Well, you know, it sort of shaped out that way. He had a great job making excellent money and he was supporting us when I was in law school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, um, he, he wound up getting laid off from his job and he really never loved that job anyway. It just brought home really great money, but he never had a passion for it. And so that gave him time to sort of figure out what he wanted to do with his career. And I, you know, we decided that I was going to be the one to work and, you know, bring home the bacon. And I should say too, that when we first started our practice, we did have, you know, he had a severance pay from his old job. And so we had other really small sources of income. I mean, this was not big money. It was like a little bit of extra money that like made it possible to keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was part of the reason why I was like, I got to take this leap now because I have this little bit of extra money coming in for these next couple months. I need to like, you know, that gives me like about six months before I have to make really big money, you know? Yes. yes. <laughs> so, so yeah, so that was, it. sort of like, you know, things just happened in both of our careers that made sense that way. Um, but also, too, I mean, the, we've had challenges along the way. We've had moments where he's like, um, okay, so when are you going to start making more money? You know, so yeah. we've had we've had several conversations like that over the years. But it just turns out that, like, he is 
better at, you know, managing the kids and managing the household. He's better at it than I ever was, you know, and, you know, I really love what I do. I love my work and I'm able to bring home a a comfortable salary for us. So it just makes sense for us and it's comfortable and he really likes it. I mean, he really likes, um, being able to stay home with the kids and just focus on them and, and focus on our household and just be that support. Um, and you know, the, the other thing too, is that he has been an entrepreneur in the past Mm -hmm. and, you know, and this was when he was with, um, a previous girlfriend that was really not supportive. Mm. Um, and really, you know, she was like, kind of go out there and do it, but like, don't let it affect my life. You know what I mean? Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> so like, I, I, I'll give you support with very strict limitations, you know? So I think he understands the position that I'm in as well. And that helps him to be really supportive. But yeah, I do feel very, very lucky, very, very blessed to have him, um, and to and to have someone who's so supportive and has been from day one. That that's an excellent um just reflection on you all's relationship and how it's you know, it's not just your business, it's you all's business. You know, this is like how you support your family and your children. And I love what you said about taking advantage of the window of opportunity that you had. Um, you know, he had a severance pay and so there was a short window of opportunity for you to really kind of make some moves and do something because I think that sometimes entrepreneurs miss their moment. Yes. They miss their window. Um, I recently had an interview, um, with Pernilla Lopez. She was the former CEO of Ikea. And she said that, you know, sometimes it's a bigger risk of doing nothing and, that's a big gamble. Sometimes we think that the gamble is starting the business, but sometimes the gamble is working outside of your purpose, working outside of your calling and missing the opportunity to actually do something and ignite your passion and then end up being stuck. Right. Yes. And it's not like you can't do it then, but it's just that much harder, you know? So sometimes you just have to take that leap of faith when it presents itself. I agree. So that is a great segue to the call to belief because sometimes, and I know I have been guilty of this in the past, you know, when I was just wondering like, when is this going to work out? When is this going to happen for me? It sounds great for you. and, And it sounds great for me to say this, but there are people listening to this right now that are like, yeah, good for you. But you know, that's not my situation. And I, and I, I'm not in that place and I don't have a severance this and I don't have a husband that or spouse or what have you. So what is your message to people who are struggling in their journey? What is your call to believe the the advice that you give them um, who are currently struggling to keep their dreams afloat? What I would share is the same thing that I say to myself pretty much all the time, because no matter what position you're in, there's always challenges, there's always struggles. And, you know, I have a big dream to get to seven figures for my practice with the team that I have. I don't want to hire any more people Mm -hmm. and I want to be able to get to seven figures with this team. And that is my struggle and my challenge right now, you know, Mm -hmm. and I know it's, you know, when I was first starting out, I would have been like, well, if I could just get to 30,000, I'd be happy. You know, so I've been there too. And I could totally relate. But what I always tell myself is this, that I know I'm going to be successful and I know I'm going to achieve my goals because I don't intend to stop until I do. Mm. And there it is, folks. Like, that's one of those, like, she dropped the microphone and like, walked <laughs> off the stage. Like, boom. I, you know, I would give the poetry claps right now, the little snaps of my finger. <laughs> But but that's what it is. You know, that's also a message reinforced from another interview I had um, with Elton Brand. And he just said, you have to trust the system. He said, you know, if you're all in, then you are all in. If it's no matter what, then 
it's no matter what. And you just trust the system that you keep going keep plugging, keep, you know, striving. And you make that thing manifest because you're saying I refuse to stop until that happens. And also the powerful piece is that, as you said, there are challenges at every level. There are challenges at the bottom and there are challenges at the top. Trust and believe. Absolutely. Okay, so let's get into some tangible takeaways, because I always want to leave our listeners with a little something, something that they can go and do or, or activate or read in their own lives. So do you have a book that you would recommend for people that need to be inspired in their own journey? Absolutely. Um, the book that I recommend to pretty much anyone who will listen to me is The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. And it is all about the upper limit problem. And, you know, the upper limit problem is just kind of like our ceiling of joy and happiness and success. And we are just, we can only handle so much joy or happiness or success or even money um, because of our beliefs, because of our fears, because of what's going on in our mind. And so that book takes you through like some steps and tells you a lot of amazing, inspiring stories to help you sort of get over and grow that upper limit, right? So that Mm. you can go higher and higher and higher. So that book, honestly, um, it was a former coach of mine that sent that book. She bought it for me and mailed it to my house. She's like, girl, you need this. (laughs) And I read it and it was so inspiring. And I have to say, two months after I read this book, this is a good testimony for it. Two months after I read this book, I had my first $10,000 a month. And that was like probably almost two years into my practice. Boom. (laughs) So there you have it. So um, readers, add that one to your list. You'll definitely be able to see the link to that in the show notes. And so, um, Beyond the books, beyond the readings, and I'm glad that we always have to stay in a place of learning, do you have any apps or tech tools that you use in your business to kind of make life easier? Yes. Well, what there are two things that I use that I love that I would say. One is HipChat, which is basically sort of like a chatting tool. Mm-hmm. And that's how I stay connected with my team. That's how we're, because I have a remote team. So it's how we are able to have witty banter. You know, we have a... <laughs> We have a room called the water cooler where we could just share pictures of our kids or just talk about what's going on in our lives. Um, and so we have these different chat rooms and we just stay connected and stay communicating all day. So I love that. And then the other tool is also a communication tool is Help Scout. And that's what we use for all of our customer service. So every email that comes into our business that doesn't come to like my own personal account mm-hmm. goes into this one place, which is um, Help Scout. And then we are able to use it to be a customer service tool. And it is amazing. And it's better than all of their competitors and very reasonably priced too. So if you handle customer service, like if you've got products and services you offer and you have a lot of customer service you got to handle, that is an absolutely amazing tool. It may, it makes it so that you can operate at a really high level. And you know that if you operate at a really high level with your customer service, you can charge more, which we all like to do. So <laughs> I like that tool a lot. <laughs> okay. So let me just kind of clarify something. So for, for those of you who were thinking that, you know, Rachel and her team are in like this Manhattan office, you know, on the corner (laughs) of, um, you know, fifth and, you know, that sort of thing. Basically what you're saying is, is that you don't have the brick and mortar space with your team, but that you all are scattered to the four winds and you all just connect remotely. Absolutely. Because you know what? Low overhead, 
makes my life easier. And my team loves working from home. We actually have an office. It's close to my house. Um, I got it because, you know, my son was so young. My husband was staying home with him. And, like, every time he cried, I want to get involved. And I couldn't get any work done. So I had to get out of the house. Um, so I, had, I set up an office a couple blocks from my house. And no one's ever there. Like, we never want to go there because we all love working from home so much. And so I'm getting rid of the office. Actually, by the end of this month, it'll be gone. And we're going to just be totally and completely remote. And so we're scattered all around. We've got an attorney in Finland. We've got one in New, uh, we got uh, my operations manager in New Mexico, another attorney in Connecticut. I'm in New Jersey and my paralegal intake specialist is in New York. And so wow. that's where we are. Yeah, we're all over. <laughs> and you know what I love about that is that, you know, I read a quote once that the only limits we have are the ones we place on ourselves. So for those of yes. you that are listening, you know, it can work. You know, you just have to figure out how it's going to work. And I think that it begins to work when you divorce yourself from those traditional um, notions of what a business is, quote unquote, supposed to look like. It's your business. And so you do what works for you. Absolutely. All right. So as you are moving towards this seven figure um, (laughs) goal, what is the next big thing on the horizon for you? Um, And this might also be a, a little 15 second slot for you to tell people a little bit about small business bodyguard, which you know, people, Rachel is not paying me for an endorsement, but I kid you not, you know, when you start a business, you don't know what you don't know. And there are so many little things that can come back and bite you in the butt. And people get paranoid about putting their ideas out there and sharing them with other people because they don't know what's protected and how to protect it. So small business bodyguard has definitely done that for me. But what is the next big thing on the horizon for you, Rachel? Well, thank you so much for that lovely endorsement. That's really nice. (laughs) The unpaid endorsement. Um, So what we're actually doing right now is expanding on Small Business Bodyguard. So Small Business Bodyguard is like our flagship DIY legal kit. I just downloaded my entire brain, how I work with my clients in the first year, you know, in their first year of working with me and setting up their legal foundation for their business. All of that, I just sort of downloaded and put it into Small Business Bodyguard. And so now what we're doing is a lot of people are asking for more interaction with me and my team. And so we're creating something called Small, the working title is Small Business Bodyguard Pro. And so that's going to be a monthly subscription where you can get Q&A access to the attorneys on my team. And so, you know, we'll have, you know, weekly office hours, we'll have email access, and then we'll do monthly webinars as well on different topics so that, you know, if you have legal issues coming up in your business, you can come to me and we can talk it out um, for a flat monthly fee and just really affordable for small businesses. Great. So that brings us to our last question. Where can people learn all about it and, and support you in that business? Awesome. Well, we just launched a brand new website at rogerscollective.com. We just changed the name from Rachel Rogers Law Office to Rogers Collective since we're a team now and it's not just me as a solo anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's the main website. And then you can also check out Small Business Bodyguard. And this new version of Small Business Bodyguard coming soon will be at smallbusinessbodyguard.com. Fantastic. Well, that's it, believers. Rachel, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was an awesome dialogue. I can't wait to get it out to the public. Well, thank you so much for having me. This is amazing. You asked excellent questions. (laughs) Thank you. And all of Rachel's um, quotes and, you know, key points, the show notes, all of that is going to be at Brandy for Believers. If you guys have any sort of feedback about this episode, then you can do that at Dr. Shante Says on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find all the show notes at BrandyForBelievers.com. Thank you for listening. I will see you guys next time.